0: Hello, welcome to this week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of the podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACC Sports. Your podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow Matthew on Twitter at ASD underscore smash. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as he introduces our guest And Matthew, it looks like everyone's online and ready to go.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. Welcome to This Week in the ACC. This is the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States. You can follow our site Twitter account at AllSportsDACC. The blog is AllSportsDiscussion.com. We focus heavily on the ACC, but... We have a lot of leeway to talk about whatever we want that's sports-related or even hair metal-related on this site. Again, this is Matthew. You can follow me on Twitter at ASD underscore Hokiesmash. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at at acc Sports. This week, we have a great return guest in Brent Blevins. Brent, welcome back to the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. Tell us about yourself, friend.
2: Matthew, Jeff, uh, always great to see you guys, uh, be, be on the air with you. Um, just uh, for background, I am a native Virginian. I grew up in southwest Virginia, about 45 minutes from Blacksburg, Virginia. Uh, so I went to Virginia Tech. I have three degrees from, from there, uh, both during the Big East and ACC years. And so I have been following ACC sports for uh, quite a long time. And so it's, uh, you know, so it's always just a pleasure to be with you all. You all have such great, robust discussions. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate the chance to be with you all today.
1: Thank you for joining us, Brent. So let's get right to the week that was in ACC football. Who was the most disappointing team in ACC football week five? And who was the most impressive team? The four is here.
2: Well, I you know, it seems that Pittsburgh is trying to make a case every week of how they're one of the uh bottom teams in the conference and I think they finally conclusively uh proved that point last night. But all that being said, I mean, I think the pretty obvious answer here is Georgia Tech. Uh I yesterday I was 14 nothing, you know, midway through the first quarter, I kind of you know, in, in truth, I stopped paying attention. And uh, I, you know, I saw a score in the third quarter and it was 31-14. And I thought I had, you know, I thought I had reversed the scores, but, you know, obviously I didn't. You know, uh, G- Georgia Tech was coming off, uh, you know, a solid win, uh, you know, against Wake Forest. Uh, nothing... Uh, nothing. Uh, I mean, they should, you know, good win for the program. You know, kind of shows that things were trending in the right direction. But uh, you know, to give up thirty-eight consecutive points to a one-in-three team in the MAC, which, with all due respect, I don't think anyone was necessarily talking about Bowling Green being a MAC favorite. Uh, you know, and I mean, frankly, I mean, the final score, you know, uh with it's like couple- you are kind
0: of cutting in and out on us there, Brett, Brent.
2: Oh, um, sorry, sorry about that. But, you know, uh, to give up 38 straight points, uh, you know, to a one and three MAC team is just, you know, it's tough. And, you know, I'm glad Georgia Tech got a couple final scores to, uh, you know, kind of make things look a little bit better than they were, but uh, just a bad loss for Georgia Tech. And, uh, you know, obviously I know they're building their program, but very, uh, very disappointing.
1: How about your most impressive? Uh, yeah, I, I got to
0: follow up on this, Brent. Um, yeah, the, the, the Georgia Tech fan and me, um, you know, watched this game and it, and and it was a, it was a complete debacle of a loss. I mean, there was no other way to describe it, and it, it was every bit as bad as some of Jeff Collins's worst losses at at Georgia Tech. Uh, the concerning part. I would say for Georgia Tech is typically when it happened under Collins, uh, the teams, his teams fell behind early and just got blown out. Uh, Like you said, you know they took a 14-0 lead and and I thought they were gonna on their way to winning the game by 30 or 40 points, and they just simply stopped playing. Um, It was like a switch went off, and the the defense couldn't make a play. The offense couldn't sustain a drive. I think uh, Bowling Green held the ball for something like 42 minutes, um, and it's one of the most bizarre things I'd, I'd, I've I've seen from from even from Georgia Tech as bad as they've been the last few years. Because it, it was just like I said, like a switch went off, and you know, it's it's all it's clearly too early to say you know anything about Brent Key's job status. It's it's far too early for that, and no one's even suggesting that. Um, but I think you can look at a game like that and say, hey, is this a red flag? Um, you know, just not having his team focused, and especially some of the comments from the players, uh, there were several players that came out and said, hey, we, we didn't respect them. We didn't focus hard. You haven't been to a bowl game since 2018. There's not a single per- team on your entire schedule that you should be overlooking at uh, at all. And, I mean, that falls on Brent Key." Um you know, at least I would say he he did something today that shows some self awareness. Uh that he he did demote the previous defensive coordinator, um um Thacker, I think his first name is Andy Thacker, if I remember uh right. Yeah, Andy Thacker and promoted um experienced defensive coordinator Kevin Sherry um this week. And and that right there says at least there's some self awareness that something was truly broke, um and, and not letting it kind of fester and say, let's see what, you know, can this be fixed over time? I mean, it was like, Hey, this is something that we just can't even, you know, let go another week. Um, it probably is going to take Georgia tech out of any chance of a bowl game, in my opinion, considering their schedule. Um, but a fresh pair of eyes on that defense is, is certainly not a bad thing. And it was good of key. I think to, to, to recognize that something was completely broken there, but, Hey, yeah, I think you 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 said it all too when you when you went over the disappointing team of the week. I, I was frankly speechless by the end of the game after what I saw.
1: I understand. I understand completely, Jeff. I'm going to ask you one follow up on disappointing teams, Brent, and then we'll go to the impressive team. Should I have expected more from Brennan Armstrong this week at NC State because I expected a better offensive performance from NC State than I did against Louisville.
2: He just doesn't look comfortable, which, uh, you know, surprising, uh, given that he's, you know, know, reunited, uh, you know, with his former offensive coordinator. I am, uh, you know, it's it's really interesting. I, I mean, between him and... You know, Phil Jerkovic. You have these two guys who, you know, maybe not outstanding, but had had you know success previously at their schools. You know, they go uh, to another conference school for their fifth year, and it, it's just it, you know it's not clicking. It's not working. Um, I, I I'm not really sure. I mean, Brendan Armstrong just doesn't look comfortable at all. I, I I you know we're five games in at this point, so you yeah, know, I mean, maybe something changes, but, and, you know, Louisville's defense is not, I mean, you know, I mean, they're not gangbusters, but they're, but they're solid. So I, I you know, I was not expecting them to get shut out in the second half of the other night to be sure. Um, so it's really, you know, I, I'm very curious if, if they're going to get that ship righted in Raleigh or not.
1: I I actually think that Virginia Tech has a chance to beat NC State. I agree. I feel weird saying that because I didn't have that pegged at the beginning of the year, and because a lot of us had Brennan Armstrong maybe as that third team All ACC. I mean, actually, we were actually that high that high on him, and it may be a lot a lot different than we expect. Brent, who's your most impressive ACC team of the week?
2: Well, I am going to I, I'm going to go with Clemson. Um, they've, for some for reasons unclear to me, they've never had an easy time with Syracuse, especially you know and the you know now JMA Wireless Stone, but they went up. They took care of business. I, I mean, they kind of you know they took an early lead and they never relented. Um, you know, the defense looked phenomenal. Like they they looked as aggressive as i have seen in you know at least a couple of years uh so i you know i think you have to give credit i mean you know kate kublin looked you know he i think that's probably one of the best games he's had you know since he's been a starter so you know i mean i think probably the jury's still out on where syracuse fits in the acc but again you have to give clemson credit I, you know, I I would give an honorable mention to Louisville. Um, They, uh, it was, they're they're not going to get any style points for, you know, their win in Raleigh, but they took care of business. Uh, You know, they fell behind at the half. You know, they, they were able to put together enough in the second half. I mean, they smothered, you know, Brennan Armstrong, as we were just discussing. So, you know, you know, kudos to those two teams. I think those two teams really showed up and, you know, really, uh, you know, really met expectations.
1: Very good, Brent. Very good analysis, Jeff. You're up.
0: All right, thank you, Matthew. Uh, Brent, uh, which, what ACC football game are you looking forward to the most in Week Six?
2: I this is a I, I think this is a pretty easy one for me. I, I would say it has to be. Louisville and Notre Dame. Uh, I mean I guess it's not, you know, technically an ACC game, but you know for all intents and purposes it is. Uh Louisville's 5 and 0. I mean they finally cracked the top 25. I thought maybe they should have been a week before, but Louisville has shown a lot of potential. Uh, I think we've all sort of known that you know maybe under the Satterfield years at Louisville wasn't quite meeting expectations. It feels like they are now, um, you know, with you know, obviously Jeff Brom, the hometown boy and, you know, Jack Plummer's, you know, throws the ball pretty well, does have a few turn, a you know, few interceptions, but, uh, you know, given how competitively Duke played Notre Dame uh, last night and, you know, frankly had a good chance, uh, you know, if they'd maybe made a couple first half, you know, field goals and, and, and whatnot i can see louisville pulling this off i I mean i wouldn't i mean i i I wouldn't go so far as to predict that that will happen but i will not be at all surprised if louisville can pull that game out so you know prime time in louisville it's going to be a sellout um you know it's kind of good to see the stadium starting to fill up there uh i am really intrigued to see that game and i don't know about you guys
0: No, very good, very good there, Brent. Um, Brent, which ACC team could be on upset alert in week six if they are looking ahead to a game on their schedule or otherwise just sleepwalking on the field?
2: Well, I'm I'm going to be only sort of half facetious when I ask if uh, William and and Mary beat UVA if it would be an upset. Uh, But uh, I'll leave that alone. And I'd actually thought about... uh, thought about BC, but then I saw that army is the favorite in that game. So, but I think, I think the pretty obvious choice here is, uh, NC state and Marshall, uh, Marshall is a very capable team. They're undefeated. They are well coached. Um, you know, they're, they offen- I mean, offensively they can run the ball, you know, not the best throwing team, but, uh, you know, they're opportunistic there. I mean, their defense is pretty, you know, pretty solid, not spectacular but solid i mean if we you know if we see another game with you know multiple turnovers you know from you know brennan armstrong or other parts of you know other parts of the offense uh i i can absolutely see marshall going in to raleigh and winning um that 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 to me is i mean it would you know it would be an upset but i i i think is absolutely in the realm of possibility
0: Okay, Um, let's step out of the ACC for a bit here, Brent. uh, Which national FBS game are you looking forward to in week six? And uh, we're wide open with this question. This can be a power five, non-power five matchup. You can even have have an FCS matchup. And then give us your winner of that game.
2: So there are a couple of games in Texas that I think are – Worth following next week. I mean, you have the Red River Shootout that's going to be. I mean, I, I I don't know how long it's been since both teams. I mean, it's been several years since both teams have gone in undefeated. I mean, Oklahoma um, seems to have you know righted the ship after last year, after the transition year. It seems like maybe you know Texas is now at the point where. You know, the hype is real, and so I am very curious to see that. I would expect Texas to uh, to win maybe by a touchdown, but, um, you know, I, but regardless, it's just really interesting. And, and, of course, this is the last iteration of that game as a Big 12 before it's an SEC game next year. At 3.30, uh, you do have an SEC game. Uh, you, you have uh, Alabama going into College Station to play A&M um a m of course is always one of those teams that you're never quite sure what you're going to get under jimbo and uh certainly the offense uh you know with bobby petrino's um you know that sort of relationship is sort of a work in progress but given where given where alabama is right now i i think i think a m has a very good chance of pulling the upset so i Uh, you know, I'm going to go on a limb here. And I I think uh, A&M beats Bama in College Station. So, again, two games back-to-back, both, you know, um, two- or three-hour drive of each other. So, definitely, there should be some uh, good football next Saturday afternoon.
0: All right, I like it. Matthew, you got a a comment you want to add?
1: I am low-key looking forward to Fresno State. And Wyoming, that game is going to be on Fox. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like that game. Yes. And it's going to be in Laramie, Wyoming. In you know, a very high elevation, you're going to see a Wyoming team that plays just like NDSU does. North Dakota State, I know you guys watched him, a hardcore offensive line up front. Jeff Tedford's going to be trying to pass it all over the field, but I don't know how well he, uh, it's... I mean, it's quite an experience to go from like Fresno in the valley to like Laramie and expect to play football. And and I see that they're favored by six up there. I think Fresno State's favored by six up in in La- the games in Laramie, and for, and Wyoming has already. I mean, I went through their schedule. I mean, Wyoming's had Wyoming's had a pretty tough schedule this year. I mean, they beat Texas Tech in overtime. They um they uh. They played Texas pretty well for a half. They beat Appalachian State. They beat New Mexico. I mean, I actually think that Wyoming has a chance to possibly, guys, to be that group of five team that gets into some sort of major bowl. I mean, that's how high I am on Wyoming. And the, and how because they play such a you they play such a ball control s- sort of style. That is going to be it's going to be fun to watch. it's going to be fun to watch it because like you know exactly what Craig Bull wants to do. He wants to run the ball and smash you and smash you and smash you, and then he'll throw in a play action pass and catch you off guard. And that's totally what he does. And the fact that that game is on Fox for the whole country to watch, I think will be. I think I will enjoy watching every second of that game. <laughs> What do you think Brent? I
2: you know, my I I I think that's a I think that's a great great call. I mean, Fresno State looked pretty good going into West Lafayette. I mean, they took care of Purdue, of course. I did see some of that Texas-Wyoming game. Uh I mean, Wyoming was very physical with Texas. I mean, I think it was 10-10 at one point if I'm not mistaken, right in the third quarter. They I mean, they they matched up well with with you know Texas. Uh, they they really looked the part. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I, I I'm glad you called that game out because it's you're right. It's one of those sort of low key matchups that I mean it's actually going to be quality football and a, a little bit of a contrast in styles too. But I I'm glad you called that one out, Matthew.
1: Jeff, you're up, friend. All right,
0: Matthew, Um, as we continue on here with the podcast, Brent, you know, we're not far off from the halfway point of the college football season. Unbelievable. It feels like it just started last week. But um, in your estimation, which which ACC team has underperformed and who has uh, overperformed so far? And which ACC coach should be feeling some, you know, heat there on his seat already at this point in the season
2: well the underperforming team i i, I think it's pretty i think we're i'm guessing we we'll are all be in agreement that it's got to be picked uh, i mean they're one and four um they just seem to be regressing each week i i'm i'm kind of confused i mean going into uh you know last night's game with virginia tech i mean they'd seem to be pretty solid defensively. And I mean, they looked, I mean, you know, they, they got shredded for lack of a better word. Um, uh, you know, we, I think I mentioned, you know, we mentioned t- earlier in the podcast about, you know, Phil Jerkovic. Uh you know, it's just, it doesn't, I mean, he's barely, you know, he's, I think he's completing, you know, half his passes. I mean, it just, it, you know, it just looks very, you know, very, uh, you know, it's it's not fluid. So I'm, you know, kind of, you know, concerned there. And obviously they had a change in offensive corners, Frank Signetti. Uh, that's, uh, that, that does not look like a great fit so far. Um, there's always time to change. And obviously, you know, they had, uh, you know, obviously they had a great running game last year, which is not carried over. So a lot of different factors there, but Pitt is pretty, um, you know, I think has been pretty disappointing. I mean, particularly given sort of the consistency that they had built up in, you know, probably the previous five or six years. Uh, you know, obviously they won an ACC title, but, you know, they were always competing. Like, they were sort of a solid eight-win team. And, I mean, this team looks like it's going to be a three-win team at best. But I'd also have to give an honorable mention to NC State. I mean, they've just not looked the part at all. Uh, I mean, again, you talk about actually a team very similar to Pitt in a lot of ways. And, yeah, you know, I mean, if they had been a coastal team rather than a lag team, you know, these last few years, you know, they probably would have been, you know, playing in some ACC title games perhaps. But, you know, they'd sort of developed that sort of eight win, you know, sort of baseline, I guess you would say. And and, and they obviously still could, um, but they have looked pretty, I mean, they, they've looked pretty underwhelming to me so far. I mean, they, you know um they really struggled against a pretty bad UConn team I mean they weren't all that competitive against Notre Dame I mean they beat VMI which you know of course I mean they needed a last second field goal you know to beat you know UVA and you know again the game you know Friday night against Louisville they just don't look the part I mean you know there there, there's time I mean and I mean it'd still be a surprise they don't make a bowl game but you Know, I mean, I, I think there were people sort of thinking that they were going to be sort of a sleeper team, in the ACC, and they look very far from that right now. Um, you know, what, what you know, in terms of who has overperformed, um, I, mean, I think you you know, we, we mentioned Louisville earlier, I think you've got to give them a lot of credit there. Um, uh, Jeff Braum is, you know, I mean, obviously, he's someone that alumni have been pining for for a while, and you know, he's delivered to date. Um, you know, I mean, we'll see, you know, even if they don't beat Notre Dame this year, I mean, they're still, I mean, they, you know, this week they'll, they would still be five and one in a very, um, you know, in a very good, you know, very good spot. Um, you know, they've got a pretty good schedule, you know, setting up uh, down the line. So you have to give a lot of credit to Jeff Brom, just, you know, sort of the, uh, you know, how he's reinvigorated that program. And I think it's, yeah, you know, I think all of us in ACC are really, you know, we should all be happy that Louisville is, you know, seems to be turning the tide here. You know, it's better for the ACC when, it, you know, of course, you know, we always talk about Florida State and Miami and Clemson. But when programs like Louisville are excelling, it's, you know, it's, it's good for the conference. You know, when we think about, you know, what ACC coach should be feeling, you know, the hot seat. Uh, I mean, I, you know. Hate to say it, but I mean, Jeff Halfley's just, you know, I mean, they're just not, they do just don't seem to be able to turn the corner. Um, uh, you know, two years ago, it really seemed like, okay, well, uh, you know, they I mean, they're never going to be a great recruiting program or anything, but he definitely seemed to have some pieces in place. You know, you had, say, Flowers, you know, you had Dracovic and, you know, I mean, I know they've dealt with some injuries and, you know, they've had some issues on the offensive line, which has always been sort of BC's calling card. But, you know, we're, we're you know, we're in year four now and it just, it just doesn't feel like it's really, you know, it's working out. We, we will, you know, you know, things can always change, but I think he has to, you know, he has to feel concerned right now about his, his job security of anyone of, of anyone ACC. Um, so I, uh, you know, those are kind of my, uh, hot takes and all those questions. And I'm certainly curious what you all think too.
1: I guess I'll ask you a follow-up Brent. I mean, should Tony Elliott be feeling some heat after this year? Do you think at UVA, because I really don't see it getting a whole lot better for the Hoos this year. I think they may actually be in a worse position than Virginia.
2: Oh, I, I, they absolutely are. I mean, I mean, I, I. I, I they are absolutely worse positioned. Uh, you know, I think something. Hopefully, we can uh, talk about for the end of the podcast. You know, the sort of the state of the two schools in the Commonwealth, but uh, they just don't seem to have a lot of talent. I mean, I'll give them. You know, they've played a couple of competitive games recently. You know, against you know NC State and you know I mean BC. I, I mean, they had a lead and and they blew it. Which, but again, I mean you know i don't know that these are again same thing against jmu so i mean they've had some opportunities for for wins but i mean when you look at what as you know like where where the program was i mean bronco mendenhall didn't leave a you know an elite you know a elite but like the program was not in terrible shape i mean they were you know they were you know they're going to bowl games and they, they were generally competitive they weren't getting blown out and there seems to have been a regression and i um and you know frankly i mean the talent's just not there i mean they have a quarterback who could you know potentially morph into something but i mean i you know you just don't see a lot of talent at the skill positions and that i mean that has to be a concern uh and i I mean, I, I, I just can't imagine that anything will happen this year where he would be let go. But I would, I would expect he would be expected to make you know several staff changes if you know things kind of you know keep going the way they are. Uh, it's just it's kind of sad to see.
1: I'm with you, sir. I'm with you. All right. Well, here we go. It's open microphone time. Brent, the door is yours. <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, thanks. I mean, I think that's, you know, the last question is kind of a segue into kind of where, you know, something I want to talk about again, I'm a native Virginian and I went to Virginia Tech, but, you know, despite my, you know, allegiance uh, to the Hokies, uh, you know, you, you do want to see UVA do well. And, you know, and, uh, you know, again, but, you know, that's, you know, kind of a struggle right now. Um, Virginia Tech, you know, had a good win last night, but, you know, I don't think you can necessarily, you know, I think at the end of the season, you're not going to look back at, you know, beating Pitt at home on a, you know, a night game on a Saturday and think that that was, you know, a program-defining win necessarily either. But nonetheless, you know, glad that, you know, things have gone, you know, well. That being said, you know, Virginia Tech goes to Florida State this weekend and they're currently a 25 and a half point favor. I'm not sure that will, I, that seems pretty high to me, but nonetheless, I mean, I think it's kind of indicative of, you know, the state of the program. And so, you know, as I think about, you know, Matthew, I know you and I've had this, you know, these discussions before, but it's just, it's very unfortunate. We were talking earlier about how it's good for, um, you know, a, a program like Louisville to sort of rise, you know, you raise up the perception of the ACC, but, you know, I mean, tech is very important in that. I mean, you know, sort of a traditional, you know, you know, 18 years, 19 seasons of, you know, pretty high level football. And, you know, to have kind of seen like the lack of progress is, you know, pretty dispiriting, not only for tech, but for UVA as well. And, you know, one of, you know, one of the concerns that I look at is, you know, when I look at recruiting rankings, and of course, you know, there are a million caveats to those. I mean, wake, wake wins, you know, consistently without being too high and, you know, so forth. And, you know, and there are many other examples, but it has to be a concern when, you know, Virginia Tech's currently 41st and, you know, uh, UVA is in the 70s. You know, and, and certainly this era of the transfer portal, you know, you can... You know, you can try to plug gaps and you know try to build depth that way, but it's you know you can't you can't count on that. I mean, it, it's kind of like trying to be a, a pro franchise and just try to sign free agents for everything. You know, if you can't can't if you don't draft well, you know, you, it's just not going to be sustainable for long term. So, I do hope to see you know both programs really start to. Raise their recruiting profiles, but it, you know, but it, but it is a concern. You know, here we are, you know, early October, and you know that's kind of where things stand. It's not to say that there aren't great players, you know, potentially coming in for both programs, but it does give you know it does give me a lot of pause. And uh, you know, kind of to your point about Tony Elliott, Matthew, and about you know Brent Pry too, is you know setting aside the question of do you have enough talent is. Are you doing enough with that talent? Are you maximizing what you have? I don't know that I can, you know, clearly say yes to, for either program. And in a way that's almost like the bigger concern, um, for, you know, the, the the way these programs are trending, you know, I mean, it's a long season. Um, but, you know, I, you know, you don't see many wins on UVA's schedule, tech probably has a few more opportunities, but getting to a bowl game at this point is going to be a challenge. So I think both programs, you know, after the season are going to have to do a lot of soul searching. And um, I'm really curious. And I think, you know, it's unfortunate for both, both programs, you know, you have Mike Elko at Duke, who was just, I mean, you know, last year, I mean, they immediately took a step up and I mean, they're sustaining it right now. And it's unfortunate when you have a program of, of, of Duke's resources that, you know, presumably should not be doing as well. That just seems to be really uh, taking off. So, again, I hope to see some movement in the Commonwealth. But, you know, I feel I feel just a bit of pessimism right now.
1: I'm going to ask you a follow up, Brent, because I, I have questions. I have serious questions about this. I have I mean, I'll be, I'll be fair here. I have fair here a little bit. I mean, I understand at times coaches have to make decisions. They see things in practices that we don't as fans see on the football field. But it seems to me that Kyron Drones has just been a far superior quarterback for Virginia Tech over the last several weeks. He brings a dimension to the game. That Wells ever had in terms of his a his running ability, and it, it seems to me that he's more decisive at times with his reads, and he'll just, I mean, he he will make a decision to throw, and he won't hesitate. And I, I think that he gives Virginia Tech the best best chance to win, partly because the offensive line isn't as strong as it should should be. I mean, it was pretty, it looked pretty good yesterday. I'll have to give them a little credit, and they got the ball out b- ball out pretty quick pretty quick yesterday. Uh, when they had to pass or when they had to run they they made some you know some a lot of times ta- a lot of times they made quick deci- made quick decisions but i actually think that he gives virginia tech the best chance to win and i i wonder in my mind if he had gotten more more reps like perhaps in that old dominion game if they had won, if they had a, would have had a better chance to win at, at Rutgers, if they would have had a better chance to win at marshall because i i think he is a better player than than than, than wells the four is yours Brett.
2: yeah i mean i don't think I, I i don't know anyone who can make that argument uh i mean based on in-game on-field performance uh I, you're right i mean we don't necessarily see what happens in practice or what happens in the film room or whatever but i think the results speak for themselves you know he definitely i mean i there, there's no question he gives tech the best chance to Win a game. I mean, just simply by the fact that he can tuck the ball and run, that you know adds something that you know, frankly, we didn't have before. And I mean, you know, you know, for you know, for various reasons, we just don't have the strongest running game right now. So it's an added dimension. So yeah, I I think it does sort of invite questions. You know, it's sort of reminiscent of you know Justin Fuente. You know, waiting till you know we got blown out by Duke at home to you know roll out Hendon Hooker. And you know, kind of how that you know how that dynamic played out. I you know, so those are the kind of personnel you know decisions that sort of do raise questions about. Okay, you know, if who are you know who who are the best players on the roster, and you know, are we putting them in a position to succeed? And you know, and again, I you know, I think you know, Drones has given us such a better chance to win. Uh, but you know, I, I I I also don't want to overstate. I I I I would still, you know, I would still definitely encourage, uh, you know, the Virginia Tech coaching staff to keep an eye on the transfer portal and keep, you know, for the off season because you know, you know, competition is you know is is good and uh, it does. Yeah, I, I I think you're spot on that it does sort of raise some questions
1: very good very good i'll be very quick on my open microphone here i'm actually really disappointed that i didn't get to watch washington and arizona yesterday i've i've i i'm a i'm i'm a very big fan of michael penix jr who plays quarterback for the university of washington and i'm surprised that they could never actually even get a streaming deal and i'm talking about the pac-12 here getting a streaming deal with Xfinity Nationwide. It didn't have to be a linear channel at all. All they would have had to do was negotiate a streaming channel and they can't even get that. And so nobody got to see a Heisman Trophy candidate yesterday. And that's a very distressing, probably, probably for the Pac-12 and the college football fan in general, because the Pac-12 is having the best, probably one of the best years that they're ever, you know, Jeff and I have talked about this on a prior podcast, but the Pac-12 is having one of the best years as a football conference that they've ever had. And no, nobody's able to see perhaps a quarter of their games, and that and it, that 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 turned out to be a pretty good one yesterday with Arizona improving and their defense getting better. And but my but they the Huskies found a way to get it done on the road. And now Oregon and Washington are going to be playing each other after a bye week in Seattle. Both teams will be undefeated on the 14th. We certainly, will be one that I have my eye on for national games that week. Jeff, you're up. Open microphone. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Um,
0: I want to hit my, my, my open mic on what's going on with, with Notre Dame. And I posted this on the blog today. And uh, they have won 30 straight regular season games against ACC opponents. Uh, th- this This reign of terror needs to come to an end. I mean, <laughs> it's not a good look for the conference for... You know, with all the gains, there have been gains certainly in the last uh, two years for the ACC, but this is kind of an anchor of the conference in the conference with Notre Dame just, you know, going out week after week playing ACC teams, whether they're ranked, not ranked, whether Notre Dame is ranked, unranked, favorite, underdog. They haven't lost a game to an ACC team in the regular season since 2017. Um, yeah, it's, that's that's kind of frustrating. And Duke Duke had an opportunity, and for everything Mike Elko has done, outstanding at Duke, and he's been outstanding. He's been a, just an absolutely unbelievable coach for Duke. Um, He's already being talked about over a number of open coaching positions, and we'll just have to kind of monitor on that. Uh, I was, you know, on fourth and sixteen in that game. Duke had an opportunity to close out Notre Dame, and Sam Hartman had so much room; he basically jogged to the first down. Uh, it was one of the first times on that drive that Duke sat back in a prevent, ran only, rushed only three players, and. You're just left to wonder why do you go away from what got you to that point, which was such an unbelievable defensive performance by Duke um on that final drive, that final play, you backed off. and you know not saying that if you would have been as aggressive as you had been the the majority of that drive that it would have you know not resulted in in Sam Hartman finding a way to get that first down, it still could have happened. But in my opinion, you want to go with what got you there, with, with how you were so disruptive during that entire game, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And so, do, I mean, Notre Dame just found another way to beat an ACC team. Louisville, they get their opportunity that Brent mentioned earlier, uh, prime time uh, in Louisville, ABC 730. Um, it's going to be one of those environments uh, that you know, like like you said, Brent, when Louisville is good, I mean they can really bring one of those environments that looks as good as as most any in in the ACC. I think we all remember the two thousand and sixteen season when Lamar Jackson, you know, kind of took college football by storm. I mean, Louisville was front and front and center, and they'll have their opportunity uh, to to take down the Irish. On Saturday, uh, the other games that Notre Dame has against uh, ACC opponents this year are, are Pitt. We've talked about Pitt. Uh, I think they're just a shell of what they've been the last couple years. Wake Forest, uh, probably still a bowl team, but they've got you know, a ton of issues on that team. Uh, struggle with their offensive line. A little bit of issues on the defensive side. I don't think you know in any way they're really equipped to take down Notre Dame. So it's really going to come down to Louisville, and then a a game later in November when when Notre Dame goes to Clemson. um, You know, as as the two times that I think there's an opportunity for Notre Dame to lose to an ACC team in the regular season, and and like Brent said with the improvement of Cade Klubnick, I mean, he is really coming along as, as Clemson quarterback. I mean, you can just see him, you know, improving each, each week more confident in what he's doing. He's stepping up in the pocket. His reads are better. He's more accurate. You know, he still doesn't have elite speed to work with at wide receiver, you know, but he's scanning the field better, taking off when he needs to, uh, you know if you're a clemson fan you're feeling pretty optimistic because their trajectory of Klebnik is definitely moving in the right direction and we'll see if that if clemson or louisville can be the team to uh knock off notre dame in the regular season because it's getting kind of,
1: kind of irritating to watch actually
2: <laughs> i had no idea it
1: had been that long i had no idea and well i know you know the win before that 2017 one though Brent. Well, i was
2: there in uh, south bend
1: that's right. <laughs> that must have, that, I'm sure that was a heck of an environment.
2: Well, it's just, you know, not to, you know, go down a rabbit hole, but it's just sort of interesting to think about the sort of alternate history. I mean, Virginia Tech had a very good chance to beat Notre Dame in 2021 and they ended up losing, you know, sort of a lay field goal after having, you know, a, a, a touchdown lead. And, and, you know, it's, it's really interesting to think about the alternate history if. You know, Virginia Tech had won, and Justin Fuente had, you know, stuck around for another year, but definitely a conversation for another day.
1: <laughs> definitely, definitely. Brent, thank you so much for joining us on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on the show. Anytime you want to come back, we'd love to have you come on again.
2: Guys, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. I uh, love just hearing the conversation about the ACC every week and it's, you know, uh, you know, you all do such a great job. So again, really appreciate the opportunity to be with all right.
1: you. Have a great week guys. Take care.
2: Take care.